0: This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station.
1: It's Friday. My name is Jeff Sandu. Millennials, the generation that everyone loves to hate, but as the artisan food fanatics move towards middle age, MSB's Matt Armitage thinks it's time to reassess. So, no cheap jokes about avocado toast today, Matt?
0: I don't know. You tell me. Um... You know, only the next 20 minutes will tell. Uh, You know, identifying the cutoff points for Generations is, as we've kind of remarked on previous shows, it's a little bit of a fool's errand. Uh, In fact, we did a a couple of shows a few weeks ago uh, about what I was calling Generation C. Yeah,
1: where you laid out the case that generations are meaningless and the coronavirus has put us all in the same bucket, as you like to say. Are they suddenly more meaningful now?
0: Well, I mean, in the sense that we're heading back to some kind of semblance of normality, certainly in a few lucky countries, uh, economies are reopening, people are going back to work, uh, we're seeing the kind of emergence of limited international travelling. There's talk about uh, schools reopening, and in some countries, they even have already. So that shared experience, hopefully, is at or is coming to an end for most of us. Uh, It will be a shared memory, but it is good that our experiences do start to to diverge. You know, no one under the age of 30 wants to hear this COVID go on about his uh, doom scrolling or his coronacation. They're, of course, too busy zumping their latest Corona Bay. Uh, and that actually means dumping someone over Zoom in case anyone has the uh,
1: wrong idea. Now, we've talked about this before. You're barred from using what you call young people talk.
0: Yeah, but you can't tell me to shut up anymore. And that's the entire purpose of this episode. So when we talk about generations, as I said, they are often quite loosely defined in terms of that that date range. So when we look at millennials... Uh, are millennials people that were born after 79 or 81 or 1983? You know, it's, it's a little bit tenuous. So we're going to use the uh, Pew Research model um, because it's – you know, widely respected and accepted. <laughs> Unlike you. Uh, gosh, somebody didn't have his vanilla almond milk on his artisan granola this morning. Um No, Pew has defined millennials as people who were born from 1981 to the end of 1996, um, which is a little bit odd. You know, the generation that we call min- millennials were actually born in the last millennium. Uh, so, 1980 and under, you're a Gen Xer like me, uh, or a, a boomer if we roll back even further into the mists of time. Uh, 97 onwards, you're Gen Z, digital native or whatever. So today is a, a bit of a briefing episode, essentially to welcome millennials into my world of middle age.
1: Somehow that's a very strange idea.
0: Uh, The idea that millennials should be middle-aged or that I'm the one who's welcoming them in?
1: Neither of those scenarios is ideal.
0: (sighs) Okay, so, you know, over the last few months, I've had various generational spats with people, uh, mostly the kind of people who call Greta Thunberg a millennial. Uh, And that's another reason for today's show. You know, as well as ushering millennials into the world of khaki pants and beige blouses, It's to illustrate it how irritated the Gen Zers are at being lumped in with a bunch of millennials that they see as being old
1: people. Old people. They see me as old people.
0: Dude, the next generation, Generation Alpha, the ones who are... Currently, sitting at home not getting any education, the ones who are going to be able to assemble a Minecraft city online but are actually going to be feral scavengers in real life, uh, just like those kids in Mad Max 2, uh, which of course is a completely Gen X cultural reference. Um, that generation, Gen Alpha, thinks that Gen Z is old. You and me, we're just kind of dinosaurs to them. We're just the kind of blah, blah, blahing shadows that they come to to pay for their apps. So I guess it's a bit like the relationship that cats have with the people that think they own them. So let's go back in time a little Mm. bit.
1: To the early noughties?
0: Yeah, so we all remember the the kind of horror stories about privileged, spoilt millennials coming into the workforce, expecting to be CEO after two weeks. Uh, sending irate emails to the CFO because they couldn't claim for the coat and seal backpack they bought to keep their office laptop in and of course demanding said avocados and granary loaves in the
1: break Mm. room. I remember you saying things like that.
0: Yeah well you know some of us atrophy as we age some of us grow I'm lucky I seem to get more broad-minded the further I get away from popular culture. Mm. Is this
1: where you tell us how into K-pop you are?
0: Uh, no, thankfully, it is an impenetrable void to me. Um, but I think that be- that's you know it's become one of the most difficult things about pop culture. When you look at the generation before mine, the the baby boomers, they were definitely grown ups. You know, they did their weird, freaky thing in the sixties, and then they became more sensible and sober. You know, they basically became parents. My generation, the the Xers, we were the first ones that never really grew up. And to this day, you know, I still prefer sneakers to shoes. If I can get away with wearing shorts on formal occasions, I will. Um, you know, it's a superhuman battle just to get some of my fellow 40-somethings to abandon their cargo shorts, let alone get them into to long pants. But having said that, you will not get a tie around my mm, neck.
1: That's a shame. A tie might shut you up.
0: Thank you. Um, You know, but my generation is the, the, the one that didn't grow up. We still have all the toys. We have the skateboards, the games consoles. We convince ourselves that we're still young enough and hip enough to make it as DJs, that somehow, despite our bald spots and our muffin tops, We're still cool. And we still check in to see what's dropped at Vice.com a couple of times a day to to prove it. I mean, obviously, I don't do that. I spend my days on Alt TikTok making super slurred cuts of Dolly Parton tracks, which I shoot myself dancing to in a glitched octopus costume. Mm,
1: There's a lot to unpack in that last sentence.
0: Yeah, I think it's probably better to leave it in the box. (laughs) And anyway, the the fam knows where I am. Uh, To to show how uh, juvenile Gen Xers are, You know, the reference points I've given are all incredibly male-centric because our pop culture was really about equality in name only. The girls were still expected to go ooh and ah at the boys on skateboards or spinning behind the decks. And that's probably why Gen X women are a lot more grown up than us and less likely to spend the kids' college fund on a vintage sports car because, you know, it's a really great investment. Um, What's odd is that those cultural reference points and lazy stereotypes do seem to have got stuck in
1: some kind of time loop. In our imagination or in practice?
0: Well, I guess a little bit of both. You know, the start of this millennium has been a period of uh, unprecedented change and upheaval. In 20 years, we've gone from dial-up internet to watching any movie on demand on a device you know, that we have in our hands. You know, we have practically all of humankind's information at our fingertips, Uh, you know, although some people have argued that we're dumber for that. Things like self-driving cars are are real. We've gone from the age of cheap air travel and weekends away in other countries to a pandemic-initiated hard stop on everything but the most essential travel. Yet we're still obsessed with the idea of supposedly feckless millennials and that stereotypical avocado toast.
1: Hey, I'm a millennial.
0: And that's kind of my point. You know, the the weirdest thing has been listening to friends who are millennials dismissing the behavior of people younger than them with one of those lazy, entitled millennials uh, kind of comments, completely missing the fact that the person or persons they're criticizing are actually in Gen Z, and that they're basically criticizing those people for doing stuff and not being apathetic. You know, that really is way to go to reinforce the, the stereotype. Uh, one of my friends, one of the ones who is most attached to his cargo shorts, mentioned that he hadn't even realised he was part of Gen X. Again, way to go to reinforce that slacker stereotype.
1: So millennials have become a catch-all term for anyone who's younger than you and whose behaviour is irritating.
0: Yeah, and the thing is, that was only true for my generation, um, which is why I'm running this audio preparation course for what I'm calling millennials, the Gen Wires who are about to embrace middle age.
1: So this entire show is just another excuse for one of your dad puns.
0: Look, I don't need an excuse to justify lame jokes. I've already referenced Mad Max 2 and Dolly Parton, and we haven't even gotten as far as the break. Um, But I do feel that we have to unstick these generations, not because it makes life easier for sluggish cultural commentators like me, uh, if we have that clear delineation, but because, you know, as we noted on our previous show about generations, those changes are set to keep accelerating. Generally, we've kept to those markers of about 15 years separating generations. But when you look at the pace of social and cultural changes, even within those generations, that cohesion that that we expect, that sense of shared experience and upbringing, it may not actually be there. You know, we have yet to feel the real kind of social impact of uh, Generation Alpha, which is essentially anyone born in the uh, 2010s and onwards, Yet in terms of the date range that it spans, we're already towards the tail end of that generation being born. In fact, generation beta is already in, well, you know, beta development. And we're yet to see how things like coronavirus will act as a cultural marker for the alphas and the the, the betas, for example.
1: In terms of the 2021 baby boom?
0: Well, that's kind of an aspect from a numbers point of view, for sure. Uh, we may see Gen Alpha weighted towards its younger members, but what will their lived experience be, um, to make it sound you know, a bit new agey? Uh, how different will the lives for Gen Z in the process of finishing their education be to that of a a Gen Alpha, for example, born after coronavirus, or more importantly, those of Gen Alphas brought up in the early part of their generation and those born in the the latter part. You know, my generation has those skateboards and cargo shorts to unify them, but what will this generation
1: have? Well, when we come back, middle nils will save the world. Yes, really. BFM 89.9. Bring
0: forth Malaysia. BFM eighty nine point nine, the Business Station.
1: Welcome back to Fun Friday. My name is Jasander. Together with Culture Pops, Matt Armitage. Matt, before the break, we talked way too much about skateboards and eighties culture, which I'm beginning to think is the only reason we're talking about this topic this week.
0: Well, that actually gives me an idea. I think next week we'll do a a show on eighties culture and why it currently seems to be so cool because that's the weird thing. I was there in the 80s and I did not think it was cool. Uh, For me, the the 80s was the decade that pop culture actually went to die. Um, It's so strange to me that we're resurrecting it. Um, For me, the kind of 70s and the 90s were a lot more influential. Um, But... Yeah, I mean, should we do an MSP mini series on decades? I mean, it it does seem like something we should have done a long time ago. Mm. Here's
1: the question. 2020, the end of a decade or the start of a decade?
0: Well, we've had to cover that before, haven't we? You know, for me, logically, it's the number 10. So it's actually the end. But celebrating the millennium in 2001 would have been pretty sad even to satisfy an old pedant like me. Uh, So I think I have to move with the crowd and accept the zero year as opposed to the year zero as being the starting point. And that puts us firmly into the roasting 20s, which in a way is sad because it means that COVID-19 defines the start of a new decade rather than the end of an old one. And in some ways, this does feel like the end of a lot of things. Uh, I think there was a survey in the UK that came out this week where only 13% of the respondents said that they wanted uh, their lives, especially their working lives, to go back to the way things were uh, back in January and February this year before the, uh, the lockdown.
1: In terms of flexible hours and work from home?
0: Yeah. um, You know, by the way, we did an episode essentially on the way work will change a couple of weeks ago. Uh, That's MSP 126 called Work From Home, Our Secret Superpower. So I'm not going to go over it too much. But the survey I mentioned uh, showed that uh, British workers appreciate the flexibility that work from home over the last few months has brought them. And they want to retain some of that once the, the, the pandemic sort of calms down or flattens down. And we've also seen countries like New Zealand announce that they want to experiment with uh, things like the four-day working week.
1: Will we see that as a way of extending employment?
0: Yeah, I think it's something we'll come back to in the future when it's clearer what the longer-term implications of coronavirus unemployment actually are. But we may find that countries or governments introduce policies that favour job-sharing, And one way to do that is to have shorter working weeks but have larger bodies of staff. So, for example, 50 people working a four-day week instead of 40 people working five days a week. That's a really simplistic summary of something that's way too complex to go into now. But it does relate to the theme of generations because it leans into working expectations and how they differ from generation to generation. And that brings us back to the millennials. So let me ask you a question. Um, what do you expect from a job and the company that you work for? Um, I know it's a, a big question to, to put you on the spot. It feels for.
1: like I'm being interviewed uh, for a job under Culture Pop, but I, I would love to feel that, you know, whatever I do, I'm rewarded and, and, it, and it feels rewarding in, and not financially, but, you know, it just feels like the work that I'm doing is worthwhile and it makes people happy.
0: Okay. Um, and that's really, really cool. But is that going to be the the same set of expectations for somebody who's at the other mm. end of the millennial spectrum from, from you? You know, as we've pointed out on numerous occasions, you are at the the older end of the millennial curve, <laughs> which is why you hate the idea of this show being mid um, But a lot of your tastes kind of dovetail with mine. You know, we like a lot of the same music. We share a lot of the same pop culture references and films. These were films that you watched in your teens, and I should probably have outgrown already, to to be completely fair about it. Um, But as I said, Gen X has never quite grown up. And we've seen surveys over the last few years that have indicated that younger millennials and the older Gen Zers have quite different attitudes to work. And we've seen that, um, I guess it's not a convention as such, a trend maybe, of people agreeing to take a better job title rather than a pay rise. And, you know, you're starting to see a lot more of that, especially Mm. now.
1: In terms of hiring practices?
0: Yeah, uh, companies, I think, especially SMEs, where there is that kind of talent uh, retention issue, are now more likely to ask their new hires, what title they want? Obviously, there are limits to that because you know that they're they're doing it because they know that they're hiring people who have an expectation of staying in the job for maybe a few years before trading mm. up. But what they forget, or what the, the the people with the titles forget, is that the HR of the company they want to to, to go to next. Already speaks bullfrog job titles.
1: Bullfrog?
0: Well, I'm doing my best not to be crude, um, but also because a lot of the titles are quite obviously overinflated and noisy. So they're a bit like bullfrogs. Um, And HR knows that a marketing wizard is someone who schedules the social media posts that somebody more senior writes. So it's ultimately a bit self defeating. It's a bit like those uh, US companies in the 1990s that made pretty much everyone a vice president Mm
1: -hmm. don't you call yourself a founder
0: well only when forced to and for want of anything better Uh, my email sign off now doesn't have any kind of title
1: at all because you're above such things
0: well no because there's only (laughs) me i mean i can call myself ceo or md or any of those things but i'm actually the janitor and the payroll clerk as well Uh, and it's no secret um Also, you know, it's not something that I have to worry about as much because I've been in the workplace for quite a long time. My employment history stretches further back than a couple of job titles. So when I chat to people about work, it's more about the the history of what I've done than those particular roles. So I understand why people coming into the workforce now are more concerned about their title and any seeming advantage they can confer on themselves that will help them to make that next jump.
1: What has any of this got to do with millennials?
0: Because we still have, as I said, these stereotyped ideas. But the reality is that the HR manager that you're applying to is a millennial. The person interviewing you and managing you is probably a millennial. And millennials have actually become a source of economic stability for some countries during this pandemic. So we've said for a long time that uh, millennials and Gen Z and presumably Gen Alpha as well. Um, and I should point out that most of the parents of Gen Alpha are themselves millennials. Mm. So just to, to reiterate you know how dumb and lazy it is for us to lump all of the post-Gen Xs into to one group, uh, Gen X wanted or want to be as cool as their kids, Um, We've said for a long time that uh, millennials and Gen Z and presumably Gen Alpha live at home with their parents longer. Uh, There are a lot of economic factors there, again, more than we have time for here, but mostly to do with job stability, wage stagnation, rising property and living costs.
1: All perfect subjects to search the BFM archive for.
0: Yeah, exactly. So you don't need me to to do that. But one of the markers of the last recession was the uh, the collapse of that property market. We saw a lot of credit, easy mortgages with variable rates, which quickly became unaffordable once central banks put up interest rates to control inflation. Uh, We saw a rise in foreclosures at the same time that demand slowed to a trickle, Uh, a sharp drop in uh, house prices, negative equity and, uh, of course, reduced mobility for people who now faced moving in order to look for work. So it was a pretty harrowing situation.
1: And millennials have somehow stopped all that from happening again.
0: Overall, millennials are still a relatively small part of the housing market in many countries. Uh, Too many are still locked out by those same economic factors I just mentioned, but they are playing a crucial role uh, in this current situation, What we're seeing on the whole is that house prices haven't collapsed. Uh, The number of new listings has decreased in a lot of countries... Uh, during a period where there is usually a spike. But we haven't seen that precipitous rise in foreclosures, at least not so far. And governments in many countries have jumped in with stimulus packages, uh, things like low-interest loans, repayment holidays, wage support schemes. So there have been a lot of fiscal measures to ensure that that liquidity doesn't dry
1: up. But millennials are still buying.
0: Yeah, because, you know, we we have, again, the stereotype that millennials... uh, uh, Impulse buyers, they need instant gratification. But studies tend to indicate that millennials actually spend a year or longer looking for the right property to buy. Partly, I guess, because they've spent a lot of time saving and scraping the down payments together and getting to that point where they feel their lives are stable enough to, to buy a house and fill it with little gen alphas and betas. So their plans to buy haven't been derailed or suspended by the current crisis. They've just kind of plowed ahead.
1: Which explains why Gen Z hates millennials. Why? Well,
0: if you want the really lazy done in 20 seconds version... Uh, boomers are responsible for most of the bad stuff going on in the world. Gen X enables the boomers by recognising it and doing nothing. Um, but both of our generations are old, so uh, we're more like objects to Gen Z than people, and toppling us is like knocking over a statue. Uh, millennials know that they should be doing things to change things, but you know they missed the demo because they were waiting in line for a gluten-free donut with stevia sprinkles and a Bolivian hand ground espresso. And the police had already closed the street by the time the barista had uh, made them a second coffee because it turned out that the first one had beard oil around the edges of the cup, which leaves the Gen Zers to actually go out there and make some noise and
1: fix wow. stuff. So it's a passive versus active thing.
0: Well. Yeah, you know, all of these things are horrible generalizations. Um, In a lot of ways, millennials are still a pre-internet generation. They grew up with the first wave of digital technology, but they weren't part of that, you know, tablet-in-the-crib generation. Uh, They had MySpace accounts. I know you had a MySpace (laughs) account, Jeff. It's probably still there. Um, But MySpace is to Gen Z what cassette tape is to millennials. It's weird, and it's analog, and it's ugly.
1: (laughs) Have we learned anything at all over the last half hour, Matt?
0: That is such a millennial question. (laughs) Um, What we've learned is that the millennials need to let go and that the Zs and the Alphas do their thing and not worry that they don't understand it. Um, You know, go ahead, take your family to the wizarding world of Harry Potter, but admit, that it means more to you than it does to your kids. You know, they're probably more concerned about the environmental impact of rides like the Forbidden Journey exceeding the utility of the fun that they're going to get from it. But what I want to say most of all is welcome, millennials. Welcome to the world of beige businesswear, roomy underwear and horrifying indigestion because... You've you it.
1: know, I honestly believe this whole half an hour was you just trying to convince the world that you're still cool and relevant and not weird, analogue and ugly. I feel that has been this whole half an hour all about is You trying to convince that we're going to be like you.
0: I am so old that I don't care if I'm cool or not. <laughs> (laughs) I am cool because I am above cool.
1: (laughs) Anyways, if you missed any parts of this show, you can download the podcast available on the BFM website or the BFM app. We'll be right back with uh, Geeks after this, BFM 89.9.
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.